ESPN 94.1 FM at 8 930 present The Drive. Elmore deep, left side three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome, it is the Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Not those days, it is Tuesday. It is the 30th. Welcome into the drive here at ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Uh, We're going a little earlier than we usually do. And we will get our phone lines fired up for you at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Okay, let me be honest with you. We're we're working on some things here. So you're going to get me talking for a long period of time. So if you want to be a part of the program, this is now the perfect time for you to do so. Again, the phone number 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. You want to be a part of the Miller Lite phone lines. Miller Lite, they are our sponsor this hour. Only 96 calories. It is your original light beer. So uh, what have we got on the show today? Well, guest-free, so that's why we're taking your phone calls. But we've got some things to get into. First of all, the Pirates lose again, and they're coming up tonight, 645 is our airtime for the Pirates taking on the Reds. This is a team that has completely fallen off and crashed the wagon. They've fallen off and they've crashed the wagon. They've lost nine straight. They have the next-to-worst record in the National right now. They are next to bottom in the wild-card hunt. And they are not buyers. They're going to be sellers. And the Pirates have pretty much, unless something miraculous happens, which I don't see happening. I mean, they're 10 and a half games back right now. The Pirates have just completely blew the season. At least they waited until after the All-Star break to do it, right? I was optimistic. All-Star break, Pirates are looking good. Okay, this is going to be a team that can compete. No, instead they are... Sellers, they're going to be probably rebuilding, and I'm looking for some turnover. I'm looking for some changes in that organization's lineup, or maybe it's going to be business as usual. I don't know. But with that said, we transition to football now because this is the time of year whether or not you want to admit it. If uh, your baseball team is in the hunt and you're a baseball fan, you're in. If your baseball team is not in the hunt, um, you're just you're going at you're basically playing the string. And that's where we're at, it seems, with Pirates baseball. But, of course, that could turn around, and we've got the game for you tonight coming up, 645 here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So uh, something that um, it's kind of been quiet as far as its announcement because it's really not an official announcement from the league, not yet anyway. We just found out that, and this is because North Texas' schedule is coming out, and women's basketball – and it's not going to be called bonus play, but they're going to have a a bonus play-like system. Games are going to be determined. They're not calling it bonus play. And what I'm talking about here is men's basketball had the extra games, the games that would be determined because of the standings. Well, we've gone through that. We're doing it again. And now the women are going to be doing that as well. So the schedule for the final four games of the regular season is going to be determined by the league in December based on conference standings and travel considerations. So we're going to have to do this in women's basketball as well. 
Uh, we'll try to get Coach Kemper on here in the next few days to talk about it once we get the official Marshall schedule. And I'm sure that's going to be coming out soon. Men's schedule is going to be coming out, I'm sure, sooner than later as well. But bonus play, or whatever it's going to be called officially, is going to happen on the women's side. I don't know if this is really going to help. I don't know if you're just hanging on to this idea because you want to feel like you've given it its due. You want to go through it again. Make sure that the system works because you're confident in it. You're going to stick with it. Or if you're just going to understand that, look, uh, this is maybe not the best way to go about this. And maybe you'd go a different route here. Maybe you don't play everybody and then throw in more games. Maybe you just play your schedule. You play one game. Travel partner twice. That's what you do. You play everybody once, travel partner twice, and then maybe you space the games out a little bit better. Have your conference tournament. I don't know. Maybe you allow a few more non-conference games. I, I wouldn't do that necessarily. But instead of, okay, we got to isolate these teams, the top teams from the bottom teams, and let them play out the last part of the schedule and hopefully by the top teams playing each other, they're going to get better or not fall. And we're going to isolate them from the bottom teams because we don't want a situation where the best team in Conference USA is going to get beat by the bottom team. And that just completely jacks the chances of getting an at-large bid. Let's be honest. Unless there are two or three solid teams in Conference USA that have proven themselves non-conference and conference, I don't see that happening. I don't see this being a multi-bid league. Not in the foreseeable future. And that's not a slight on anything, Conference USA. It's just how it is right now. I mean, you're going to see the major conferences get the majority of the bids. Conference USA is definitely not a major conference right now. And now they're going to try this on the women's side. And I don't know if this is going to help on the women's side. I will say this. There are better... More opportunities for women's basketball with some of these postseason tournaments. You know, I've got to admit, Marshall getting into a postseason tournament while not the NCAA tournament was, I think, good for the program. I think it's more beneficial for these schools to have these opportunities on the women's side because, let's be honest, women's basketball sometimes maybe doesn't get the attention that the men's side does. And you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can for both the men and women. You want to get into the NCAA tournament. That's the ultimate goal for both the men and women. But I think you at least have some opportunity for your team to play, get some postseason experience. I mean, we talk about that, postseason experience. How beneficial is it? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. In football, it was really beneficial back in the day. You know what day I'm talking about. When Marshall was playing every year in the 1AA playoffs and getting multiple games and multiple practices. I mean, they're playing all the way into December. I mean, what coach wouldn't want the ability to be with his team coaching all the way up into December? I mean, that's why bowl games, while I think there are too many of them, are a big deal for coaches. It's huge. It's the most terrible feeling in the world if a coach doesn't have a bowl game to go to. It's a terrible feeling because they don't get to work out with their kids. So they're losing extra rep time, and, of course, you want to play for something. You always have something to, to go 
get. Didn't win the conference? Okay, we can go win this bowl game. And it's the only sport I know where almost half the football teams are happy in some way after the season's over. And basketball, right now we've got three postseason tournaments. Four. Three, four. Okay, four. Sorry, I forget the other one. Uh, The the College Insiders Tournament. You get the CIT. You get the CBI. You've got, of course, the NIT. You've got the NCAA Tournament. So you got less than a handful of teams here. They got something they can say they won at the end of the basketball season, and that's okay. I completely think that's fine. In college football, half the teams that make postseason, they're happy at the end of the day. That doesn't happen in football anywhere else. In pro football, doesn't happen. One double A, doesn't happen. College basketball, with the exception of the smaller tournaments, you got one team that's happy at the end of the day. Baseball, same thing. You got one team that's happy at the end of the day. One champion, one last standing champion. All the other sports, you got one last standing champion in college football. You got a champion and you got all these other happy teams. And that's okay. And I get that. College football system is a lot different than it is for basketball. But back to the basketball point here, you're trying to improve your chances of getting postseason for your student athlete. I just don't think this system works. Maybe it'll be better in basketball for the women. Maybe the women's game is going to be a little bit more conducive to this. Maybe somebody will take notice. At-large selection, Marshall, you would hope. The ultimate path, though, is to win your postseason tournament. Not your regular season, necessarily, your postseason tournament. You, you don't have to win your, your regular season. You're just you're playing for seeding. Really, that's what the regular season is all about. You're playing for seeding to get into the tournament to then try to make your case to, to get into the NCAA tournament. And how you make your case is you win your conference and you get awarded the automatic bid. But there's this notion that you can do this schedule, work it up enough where if your regular season champion – doesn't get to the championship or win it in the tournament that you've got enough of a resume to win an at-large bid. And honestly, I haven't seen enough to tell me that this is ultimately going to be the right way. And you know, we can argue statistics, we can argue ranking, we can argue all of that, and we will if you like. But at the end of the day, I just I don't feel like this is fan-friendly. I don't feel that this is going to change the scales in any meaningful way. It comes down to also exposure. Plain and simple. If I've not watched your games, I'm just looking at what you look like on paper here. I might not know as much about you as I should. Because really, I think that's what it comes down to, the the almighty eyeball test. You look at all things being equal... The eyeball test sometimes is the only thing we go by. But you know what? Let's see what happens here. I just don't know if you're ready for round two of this, or in this case, round one for the women's team, because you're going to play your games, and then you're going to have your final four games determined by where you're at. And say you're hot. Say you are, you're on fire right now. You, you're, you're sitting here, and you're making your final push. 
teams on fire, and then they lock you in in your initial seed. You're locked in. Okay, you're locked in at fifth. And you got to play in this bubble with these teams. And you got to, if you're hot, you'll keep your spot. You won't slide too far, but you don't get a chance at maybe a higher seed. Unless you're at the very bottom of your pod, you can play for a higher seed. But if you're at the very top of your pod, and let's say you're Marshall and you're starting to play well, and you've got those final few games that are coming up. And if you win some of those, you might work your way into a better position. No. You're cut off from that. That avenue is closed to you, and then you're in the middle of the conference, and now you're trying to make sure that you stay where you're at because you can fall. Now, of course, that argument can be made as well that, okay, you could fall further back if you weren't in this pod system. And that's true, too. But the opportunity for me to move forward. So Marshall, I mean, this could be good for Marshall if, say, they're a bottom team. Let's just say, hey, they're a bottom team, and we lock the schedules. Okay, here's the pods. And Marshall's in that low pod, and they could play their way and work their way into a postseason spot, a tournament spot. I mean, it's great there. Because then you give the bottom team something to play for. I mean, really, it benefits the bottom teams in that regard to get into the tournament. The top teams, they're, they're basically feasting on each other. I mean, you're, you're really feasting on each other, and you're beating each other up. And unless you run through that schedule, you're the top team in the conference, and you roll through it, and then I think that's going to help you a little bit. But I don't think that's going to be the push. Because it's not that you're losing to lower-tier teams uh, in your conferences. Your conference isn't that highly regarded compared to some others. The strength of schedule, the whole perception of everything, as far as what's it mean? If Marshall runs the table in Conference USA, what's that mean compared to other teams in college basketball? I mean, it's a pretty big deal. If you run the table in your conference, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big deal no matter what you do. But at the end of the day, I just don't know if really this is the right way to go. It seems limiting to a degree. But we're going to do it. We're going to see what happens. I mean, there's no sense in complaining about it. And really, you can't complain about it because you know, the only thing I think it hurts is you like to have the schedule ahead of time so you know, all right, here's the dates. I'm going to go see Marshall basketball. Here's the dates. I mean, that's why a schedule is important. That's why you release these as early as you can because it gives people time to, who want to come, plan. I don't think Huntington's a spur of the moment, hey, let's just go to a game kind of city. I mean, if the weather's nice and football, Marshall's winning, yeah, we're going to get a good walk-up crowd. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that this was fan-friendly enough. But to Marshall's credit, and Herd fans' credit, there was a good amount of people who showed up for this. They, uh, especially the fans who got to um, take advantage of, all right, I'm going to get to relocate my seat. I mean, if you're a Herd basketball fan and you're not sitting in the lower bowl and somebody decided they weren't coming to one of these uh, postseason tournament uh, games or uh, they weren't coming to uh, one of these other games, uh, you could possibly relocate your seat. More so in the postseason tournament. But as far as your, your season tickets are concerned, you know, 
you might get lucky. Somebody could say, I can't go. You know, you want my ticket. I mean, there have been cases of that. So you can work your way. You can upgrade your seat. I just don't know if this is going to really do it for college basketball. I don't see other conferences going to it. That's the thing. I mean, Conference USA isn't the great innovator here, are they? They're still ahead of the curve that the other conferences hasn't caught on yet? No. Play your schedule, then you go to the tournament. You lock your schedule in, you know what's going on, you know what's happening, and then you go to the tournament. But that's the problem when you're in a situation. Marshall, you're in a one-bid league. That's it. You are in a one-bid league, and you have to play to win the tournament. I mean, it's a shame. Marshall's been in a situation where Marshall's moving from the Southern to Conference USA, and they have to go through the MAC in the middle to get there. But at the time you're in Conference USA, you're thinking, okay, this is a better basketball league. Well, yeah, because you had teams like Memphis and others, and those teams left. And you're in the Southern Conference. Southern Conference for a while uh, was pretty good, but you weren't getting multiple teams in the Southern. I mean, it was it was well-regarded, but it wasn't – you know, getting you multiple bids. So you move to the MAC, and the MAC solid basketball conference. I mean, it really is. It's solid. At the time Marshall was uh, about ready to move in, the MAC was getting a couple of bids now and then. Getting it was a multi-bid league to a degree, but you get so much now, and I, I don't think that the fact that we've got a couple more leagues now. You have the Big East dissolving or splitting up, and now you get the Big East and you've got the American. So there's a couple of spots taken up right there in the at-large bid process. Because are you going to tell me you're going to take a Conference USA team, a, a second-place Conference USA team over a six or seven from the ACC? Are you telling me that? Are you really telling me that? I mean, they have to have a bad bad run of luck in, in one of those conferences for you to get it. And here's the other thing you have to keep, keep in mind. Upsets do happen. Upsets are a detriment to one-bid leagues because you're a one-bid league and unless it's a really highly regarded one-bid league, like you, okay, for example, if Gonzaga doesn't win their championship, they're probably getting in. Normally, maybe that's a one- or two-bid league. Conference USA, if your champion doesn't win, then you're pretty much locked out, and that's what started all this. Your champion, your regular season champion, doesn't win this league. You're locked out. You're going to the NIT. And that's the other thing, is the NIT sort of the safety net for the champion, the regular season champion, that's the safety net. Uh, that's why it was hard to get into the NIT, because if uh, the regular season champion in some of these, so many of these leagues don't win and don't get an at-large bid, they're going to go to the NIT. So that's, this is why you have a... Uh, a CIT, a CBI. That's why you have these opportunities to really present themselves. So now you've got a situation where there are upsets, and that's going to knock down some teams as well. Because, say, you get a higher profile upset, and you've you're got a team maybe it's in that you didn't think would get in then you're going to try to make room for the higher-profile upsets. Like I said, Gonzaga, for example. Gonzaga's getting in unless they just have a terrible season. And maybe that's not the best use of an example here. But yeah, for the women's side, you know, maybe this will be more effective. I don't know. I, I just don't think that it's going to work out the way they want it to work out in the league offices because 
if you're Conference USA, I think you're getting one team in, and with the rare exception now then of a second team, you'd have to have probably two dominant teams. You have two dominant teams, and you could probably make the argument. You have two dominant teams in the regular season. They meet in the conference championship. You have possibly an argument. I mean, you have a situation where you have a team that could play someone four times if it's the travel partner. Marshall could have played Western Kentucky theoretically four times in this system. Four times. Twice because they're travel partner, once in the pod system, and then once again in the tournament. Could have played them four times. Now, if that's Duke, North Carolina, I'm signing up every time, but that's not how that works. And so you got to hope that this scheduling either is so beneficial and I didn't see it and I wasn't on board with it and I'm proven wrong and then I'm happily walking this back saying, look, you're right, I'm wrong. You know more than I do when it comes to this uh, new math. I just don't think it's going to work. It is 521. Welcome into the drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So I got a good news here. I can I can take a commercial break. Is that what you're telling me, Gabriel Sellers? See, you all didn't think I could go this long. You guys were taking bets. You're forcing me to stop. All right, we're backing up and running. We're going to take our break, come back. We will continue on It's the Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Hey, don't forget, if you ever miss a part of the show or there was an interview that you didn't get a chance to listen to, you want to go back and catch it, you can always do so on Apple Podcasts. That's where we podcast every day. You can find us there. We're also on Spotify. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. It's The Drive. Paul Swan right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 now on Apple Podcasts. So yesterday was an opportunity to catch up with Doc Holliday. Uh, season is uh, fast upon us. Camp's going to be opening up here sooner than later, and we're going to be barreling towards football season beginning. Thundering Herd, they've got an important opener with VMI coming up on August 31st. That's right. Tomorrow marks August. And we are a month away from the start of football season. And listening to Dunk yesterday, there's a lot of expectations for this team. But he's got reason to have personal expectation, even though maybe the media pundits are putting a little pressure on this team, and that's fine. That's what you want. And he owns that. And if you've heard him talk, he really preaches the fact that I don't want it any way else. I'm here at a football program where they have high expectations. That probably means a lot of times uh, you got to put up with the critical fans, critical media. you got to put up with disappointment because the expectations are high. But he's got reason to maybe feel like this year could be a year for him. And one of the things he can lean on is the secondary. There's a lot of experience in that secondary. And Doc Holliday talked a little bit about that. Um, this is cut seven in the control room. Cut seven. Uh, here's Doc yesterday talking about that secondary experience. 
Yeah, you know, I like Chris. Chris Jackson's been tremendous, and uh, just to watch him grow from his freshman year till now has been, been been a lot of fun. And you know, Nazi Johnson, Drayton's played a lot of football. Carol Morrell's back as a starter. Gilmore, you know, was a true freshman a year ago, played a lot, but got his feet wet. So, you know, like I say, we're trying to add a couple more pieces there uh, between now and Friday. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, I like the we got some good young players that uh, they're going to have to step up there. And another thing that he's got a lot to feel pretty good about is uh, the offensive line. There's a lot of experience coming back there. And, uh, Gabriel, uh, this is cut 13. This is Doc talking a little bit about that offensive line, the experience that he's got coming back. Towards the end of the year, I thought we ran, ran the ball well with Knox and some of those guys. And they're all back. I mean, you know, Josh Ball is a guy I'm not, seen, I'm not sure I've seen a guy. He's 6'8", and he's 350, and he runs around well. I mean, he's, he's – Easy mover for that, that big a guy, but you know you add him to the mix, and those other guys have all started. You know, you know Levi's going to be a four-year starter, and Millet's going to be Millet's fine. By the way, he's been out there. He'll start practice uh, Friday. He's been a, going his third year as a starter. Tariq's been a three-year starter. Almer's been a three-year starter. So, you know, they're all. And, and Kane last year went in for uh, Millet when he got hurt, and maybe been our best offensive lineman. You know, most consistent guy. So he's back as well. So, you know, those guys are all back. Salguero. With Levi being out, had a really good spring, and that'll help us with his maturity. So, uh, those guys—that's a good group. You know, it's a good group that uh, we're excited about, and it's, it's got to be the strength of that offense. So he's got some positives. Again, you've got a quarterback who's not a freshman now, you've got a little bit more experience, you've got an offensive line that's probably going to be able to move the ball and protect him, and that's good. You've got some weapons. We've talked about that yesterday. You have uh, running backs that really could take over a game. You've got a quarterback that's probably to be on page with uh, his wide receivers a little bit better. And you've got a competitive schedule. That's something Doc really likes the schedule. And you can talk about the fact there's not a Power 5 team on this schedule. You've got VMI. You open up with VMI. It's a Southern Conference team. The Southern Conference foe. That's a team that you used to play. You have some connection to. Now, I don't know how much connection you might have to it compared to others. It just depends. But for me, yeah, I remember VMI. I mean, I'm not sure that I'm as excited for VMI as I would say for you know, seeing an old-time Southern Conference foe like Furman. If you brought Furman in, now we're talking. Because then I could sit here every day and I could rile up a guy like Woody Woodrum. You remember Woody? He used to be a host on this show. He used, to, he, used to, he used to sit in this chair that I put my feet in right now. Since Woody's not here, I've spread out. I've got more room to put my feet up. In, you know, in, I'm putting my feet up in his chair as we speak. But I could just say Furman and his head would just turn different color. Just the hatred there. You know, if I say VMI to him, nah, not, not so much. It's VMI, right? But then you look at the schedule. You've got Cincinnati, Ohio, and Boise State. I was talking about the non-conference schedule here. Boise State, Dave Walsh keeps telling me that the winner of Marshall and Boise State, that's the front runner for the Access Bowl until further notice. That's This is the game. That's the game that's going to determine early on front runner status, even though that's not going to be a thing for several weeks. He has laid it out. And then you got Ohio. Now, this isn't a glamour schedule if you're talking about Power 5 teams. It's not. But you got Cincinnati. And Cincinnati's considered to be a good team. 
and the American. Get Ohio. It's a rivalry game of a degree. Team in the MAC that, well, let's be honest, the MAC's a lot better than it used to be. MAC's a lot better than it used to be. And Ohio's always a fun game. And then you got Boise State that a lot of people were excited about. You're going to play on the blue turf, and they're a team that is always in the conversation for an access bowl bid. So you've got that team, Ohio and Cincinnati, on the schedule. The conference is what it is. The conference schedule is you can't do anything with it. You just deal with it. But these are the games Marshall can control. Doc likes the schedule. Here's his thoughts, and Gabriel, this is cut 14. This is Doc Holliday on the schedule. Well, he's having play here. It helps, you know, and that's that's exciting. That's that's uh, something we're looking forward to. You know, the, uh, the schedule falls. You know, we you know we open up here home, of course, which is important, and then get the opportunity to go to Boise. They're, they're at Florida State the week before. You know, they're they're there on Saturday. We're here, so get the chance to play out there on a Friday night, which is going to be great exposure for our program. And the good thing about that is because we're going so far that we have a extra day to get back and get ready for you know a great challenge with Ohio U, and then we get an open day prior to Cincinnati. So I think it falls pretty well, you know, as far as you know when when it is with the open date and the extra day and that type of thing. So. We just got to make sure that, uh, like I said before, we go to work every day and prepare to meet that challenge. And once those are over, then we get into our conference. And I think we open up on the road. I don't think I know we open up on the road, which you never like that per se, but it's that's just the way it is. Now let me just add that Doc's not going to trash the schedule. You think he's going to sit here and go, you know, VMI, we're just going to wipe the floor with these guys. They're – they're one double A team, you know, whatever FCS, whatever that is, you know, one, what, a game last year, we're just going to throttle the, no, he's not going to say that at all. Instead, you know, he's going to, he's going to be pretty, pretty excited about his schedule. He's going to be pretty excited about his schedule because of the fact that he likes the way it stacks up. He likes the fact that these are some winnable games for him. I think that's probably the more important thing for him is they're going to be tough, but they're also winnable. VMI is what it is. Boise State's going to be a, a good test early where you're at. If you win that game, great. It's going to be a nice little feather in your cap. If you lose that game, it's early. You don't have to really worry about that too much, especially if it's close or competitive. Not a moral victory there, but it's not going to ruin your season. Not in one bit. But it'll be a great win to get. Ohio, Cincinnati, same thing there. They'd be good wins to get. Not going to ruin your season because your true season begins on October 5th at Middle Tennessee. But the way this thing plays out is Boise State's got to take on Florida State. And Marshall going to take on VMI. Marshall's got an easier tune-up. Boise State obviously got a better, harder tune-up, or at least an opener. Not a home opener, but an opener nonetheless. And then after that, Marshall's got an extra day to, to get ready for Ohio. So really, when you're home watching Ohio, you're already game planning. Ohio, they'll play, and then you'll take them on the 14th. That's at home. Then you got a week off. Get ready for Cincinnati. I mean, that's not bad. You get an extra day. Not that the extra day is going to be the, the all-ending factor here, all-deciding factor. It's not. But you get an extra day for Ohio, and you get a week prepare for Cincinnati in between. Doc's pretty good. You give Doc a couple of weeks, Doc's pretty good. 
all things being equal, he can get you ready for a bowl game. We talk about that a lot, that Marshall has a really good bowl record because if you give this guy a few weeks, he will figure you out. If it's anywhere close to being a even matchup or they have a slight edge or whatever the case may be, all things being equal, I'll take Doc Holliday in a bowl game. Give him a couple extra weeks to get ready. I'll take him almost every time. All things being equal. And with Cincinnati, it's not a bowl game. and I'm not comparing this to a bowl game, but you got a couple of weeks to get ready for Cincinnati. And I think all things being equal, it's at home. You've got some extra time here. I like Marshall's chances here. And then after that, the conference is just a conference. You know, good luck. You get what you get because every week's a new adventure. And conference games are always tougher. Even though you can have better non-conference opponents than the conference games, but I think the conference games are tougher because these, these teams, these programs, they know you. Whatever you do, unless you've got something really radical and new, you're not going to surprise Middle Tennessee. They're going to know what they're getting right now. Old Dominion, same thing. And we can go down the list. Lane Train has enough now. He knows what's up. He knows the deal on Marshall. The Lane Train's not going to be surprised by anything. And Western Kentucky, Marshall, they know each other well. Rice is the same thing. Louisiana Tech, they might not meet as much. But Rice and Louisiana Tech, they got a handbook. Charlotte FIU, they've got the handbook. They know the Marshall handbook is out there somewhere floating around the Conference USA coaches. They all share it. They have, they, have a, they have a handbook because they play each other every year. And so they can compare. I can watch Marshall film against uh, several Conference USA teams and, and kind of know what's going on here. Uh, if you're Cincinnati, you can fall back on your previous experience. Ohio probably knows a little bit about the Marshall handbook. Boise State's probably going to have to do a little bit more research. I mean, Marshall and Boise State, you're, you're really gaming that one, filming that one. And in VMI, um, you're going you're gonna to look at them, and I think that's just going to be more of a, okay, the, it's a personality game. It's a personnel game. It's a personality game. I mean, who wants to win it? Who's going to go out there, play with some intensity? All right, go out and win. Don't get hurt. But he's, he's high on the schedule. And I still think it's going to be tough to get an access bid. If you look at this thing, you're going to have to run the table just about or hope that uh, you're not the only one-loss, two-loss group of five team that's uh, up there. Because you look at the the team that everyone's talking about, or at least the team that uh, my friend and my pal um, Dave Walsh has declared. He's declared them already. They're going to be the front runner once they get going is Central Florida. They're the front runner. And here's how it's going to be determined. They're going to play Florida A&M. They're going to play Florida Atlantic, Stanford, Pittsburgh. Lane Train's got an opportunity here. The game's at Florida Atlantic, so the Lane Train could knock off UCF, dispose of them early, and they'd have to fight their way back to get into uh, some sort of uh, consideration here. I just like looking at this here. But they got Stanford. Stanford's not going to be a walk in the park for them. Pittsburgh, uh, I, I don't even know. 
You're going to get the good Pittsburgh and bad Pittsburgh. Then you got UConn. UConn's wishing this would be over soon. This this future Big East team, UConn, you got them. Uh, Cincinnati, ECU, Temple, Houston, Tulsa, Tulane, South Florida. I mean, don't don't forget, Houston's going to be a team you, you keep an eye on as well. I mean, Houston could be a team that could contend here. They could be an access bowl team. I mean, let's look at their schedule. This is a schedule that, I mean, if they could run the table, maybe, and I'm not saying they're going to run the table, but maybe they have a, a legitimate shot here as well because they've got Oklahoma. I mean, right off the bat, Oklahoma. Prairie View A&M. Usually you want to flip those, Coach. Coach, you want to play Prairie View A&M first. Then you take on Oklahoma. But then you got Washington State, and then you got Tulane and North Texas. North Texas is um, going to be a fight for them. I'm, I'm sure North Texas is going to put everything they can into that game. But then you got Cincinnati, UConn, SMU, UCF, Memphis, Tulsa, Navy. I mean, Houston could. I mean, what if Houston beats Oklahoma right off the bat? Houston beats Oklahoma, and then Houston's in the driver's seat here for the Access Bowl. The access game, they're they're in the driver's seat because Houston's got a way more attractive schedule than some of the other teams. And you know what? We've talked about North Texas. That's the team that everyone's thinking that's going to meet Marshall in the championship game if it plays out the way that the vote. And even though North Texas was uh, the favorite on the west side, Marshall had to uh, contend with – well, they didn't get as many votes on the east side. They get enough, but they didn't get as many votes. But North Texas, their schedule, if if you're looking at that, and the, let me pull their schedule up there. Um, they got one of those, um, yeah, let's put it this way. They got one of those not-friendly schedule uh, websites. All right, here we go. Mean Green schedule. They take on Abilene Christian. Then they've got SMU. Cal, UTSA, Houston, Southern Miss, Middle, Charlotte, UTEP, La Tech, Rice, UAB. Okay, so they got their tune-up game, and then let's say they beat Cal. They beat SMU and they beat Cal. Okay, that's not terrible. And then what if they beat? What if they beat Houston? I mean, we can play this game all day. And since it's July, we're going to play this game all day because, again, uh, we're yet to have football camp, and you know we're 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 in that July month. It's the final day of July, so we're on the precipice of actually having actual football stuff to talk about. But we could do this game all day. But what if you look at the schedule and you you, you what if North Texas is the team? But. What if everyone on Marshall's schedule does well and Marshall goes through that non-conference? Again, let's let's walk it back a little bit. Marshall has a game where they can tune up and they they get Boise State. If they get Boise State, and then they beat Ohio. And then they beat Cincinnati, and Cincinnati goes on and does well in the American, and Ohio goes on and does well in the MAC. And Boise, they make a solid run of it. All of a sudden, 
you're looking at Marshall non-conference schedule and going, okay, they're doing pretty good. Right now they're heads and shoulders above most of the group five teams. At least that's what you're thinking, right? I mean, that might be that might be the philosophy here a little bit. Is play some strong, winnable games and see where it shakes out. Put yourself in that conversation, make an argument for really being one of those teams. But that's where it comes down to you gotta win those non conference games completely. And going back to Doc, I mean he, he thought it was a really strong schedule. I mean, and what if this is that team? What if this is that team that can go and run that table? What if this is one of those, it's all put together. It's all put together, and Doc's got a team that could possibly at least run the conference, run the table in the conference, get to the championship game, and win the conference USA championship. What if that's the year here? Maybe I'm being a little too optimistic. I don't know. But what if that's the year? I mean, let's let's be honest. What if you look at it and you think to yourself, okay, this schedule's not that bad, and it puts Marshall in a position to be in the conversation, right? I think so. We're gonna take our next break. We'll come back and uh, we're gonna wrap this one up. It's the drive here on ESPN ninety four point one FM and AM nine thirty. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. It is Tuesday, July 30th. Welcome back to today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Don't forget, you can find the program anytime on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or on TuneIn. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to The Drive with me, your host, Paul Swan here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So coming up tomorrow on the program, uh, we've got it confirmed. We are going to talk to the head soccer boss, that's right, of the Marshall women's team, Kevin Law. We're going to talk to him. The schedule is fast upon us, so we'll talk to him later on this week. We're going to try to get um, the head coach of the Marshall women's basketball team, Tony Kemper. That's what we're working on right now, and of course – with this new change in the basketball schedule and with Marshall's schedule, I'm sure going to be released any day now. Uh, at least uh, I'm hopeful that it's going to be released. Uh, we'll be able to talk about that in a little bit more depth. And at that time, we'll get the coach on. But um, for soccer's concern, football is almost upon us. But you look at the herd schedule, and it's soccer first, my friends. It is soccer. And speaking of that, I'm, I'm sure that with the success of the women's national team, Kevin's going to have some really interesting takes on that because there's been a little shakeup. I don't know if you have been following this as much or if your fascination with uh, at least uh, the women's soccer team ended with the World Cup, but there's going to be some change in leadership. I'm sure you see that across the board, but Jill Ellis, head team the head coach of the national team, she's stepping down. Um, she's been the coach of the team since 2014, and all her records consist of eight overall tournament titles. She's got victories at the World Cup in 2015 and, of course, earlier this month. So she is 
leaving on top. I mean, that's pretty good. Now, there's a World Cup victory tour. She's going to be part of that. But she said that the national team, uh, there's time for a fresh perspective. Uh, I mean, her contract was expected to, to expire. Uh, there was an option to extend, a mutual option to extend. Uh, but that is not going to be the case now because um, she's leaving with probably a, uh, enough time for a new coach to come in, put everything in place they need to to gear up because the 2020 Tokyo Olympics will be here sooner than later. And a lot of pressure. If you're the United States women's national team, there's a lot of pressure now. You just won the World Cup. you got to follow that up with an Olympic victory. What's bigger in your mind? I'm sure it's not going to be the answer that I would give, but you got the World Cup, you got the Olympics. And I've always been a more of a with Olympics. Olympics mean more. Maybe not in soccer. You don't see nations throwing themselves into debt to, to win the Olympics the way that some countries try to win the World Cup every four years. More on the men's side than the women's side, but still. Olympics or World Cup? Or if you're just the U.S. women's soccer team, you're like, yeah, no, we win them all. Because, and I mean, that's in reverse too, because you've got, in hockey, what's the bigger win? Stanley Cup or the Olympics? What's the bigger win there? There's not an equivalent in football. And basketball, what's the bigger win? The NBA championship or um, the Olympics? And the way that NBA players dropping out of the national team, I don't know if international plays their cup of tea. NBA. But for me, for all the other sports... It's always been, in my mind at least, oh, the Olympics. And for me, though, hockey's a big deal for me. Yes, I know. I know. We've heard this before. Hockey's a big deal for me, though, especially with the Olympics. Uh, I, think the, I think the Olympic gold is more important. I think the Olympic gold is more important in women's hockey. At least it felt like it. It felt like it was bigger. Uh, as far as the gold medal in men's hockey, it might be bigger in a national stage. In Canada, for the one fact that the Stanley Cup, that's your hometown team. If your team wins the Stanley Cup, that's your team. It's like, with the exception of, say, Toronto, Toronto wins the NBA championship and the whole nation of Canada embraces the win. If the Lakers win the NBA finals, uh, other than Bill Cornwell buying a championship shirt, because that's what he does with every team that wins. He will you should see his wardrobe. Have you have you ever seen Bill's wardrobe? Gabriel, have you seen Billy's wardrobe? He has got every sports team imaginable in his wardrobe. If, if your team won a championship, he's probably got the shirt or a commemorative cup. I don't know which. Just depends. But yeah, I'm the only. I legitimately, if the Lakers win a championship, I'm legitimately a Lakers fan. I'm excited. But I was a big fan back of the day of the Dream Team. Just the best of the best of the best. Going in, smashing everybody. That's why I was on board with the women's team in soccer. 
Just go out, smash everybody. I'm on board with this cavalcade of destruction. And that's going to do it for this edition of the show. I want to thank Gabriel Sellers for taking good care of us. Good job, Gabriel. I know we uh, we threw some technical um, headaches at you today. We challenged you today, sir, and you uh, you took you did you did all right. You did all right. Don't forget Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can always go back and listen to any episode of The Drive. For Gabriel, I'm Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in for today's edition here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Good night, everyone. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.